1: Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am thrilled, thrilled to be joined by Brooke Destra. Brooke, I'm pretty sure the birds are chirping and the sun is shining uh, for all Flyers fans right now, 24 uh, 7, because these are pretty fun times for the fan base. The Flyers are 2 0 0 in the round robin with one game left to play. They have the chance to grab the number one overall seed in the Eastern Conference. In August, these are weird times, but they are exciting times for the fan base because let's be honest, I'm not sure they've had this much excitement probably since at the earliest 2012. Brooke, how exciting is this for for the fans? Oh, man.
0: This is (laughs) – I woke up today with the biggest smile on my face (laughs) because of exactly what you just said. I don't remember having this much fun watching the Flyers team in so – darn long and it's just you have this crazy sense of hope that you really haven't had since their last cup run in 2009 2010 and you just you want to back up this team you want to believe in them and they give you something to root for something to cheer for and I I think I'm probably speaking for all Flyers fans right now that this is just Oh, it's just so exciting. Like, I can't even put it into words, but I'll do my best to do so throughout this pod,
1: so. (laughs) No, perfectly put. And, Brooke, do you think it's a little sweeter? I I think for fans, it certainly is. The fact that not only are they getting what they're getting right now and and the team looks like it's a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, but they had to wait through about a 145-day pause to get this. You know, they had excitement kind of revving up as the Fars were going on their stretch run, and then all of a sudden it's put to a halt, there's no hockey, they had to wait, and now it's back. I think it's making it even that much sweeter for fans because there was such a long wait. Would you agree?
0: Oh, yeah. and I mean, looking back to early March when the league did go on the mandatory hiatus, nobody even knew if there was going to be playoffs. No one knew if they were going to be able to return to play. And that alone was so scary because especially coming out of the all-star break back in January, everything just seemed like it was clicking for the Flyers. So, you know, right up to the break, they won nine out of their last 10 and then they were in Tampa about to play the lightning and then they canceled the games in the foreseeable future. And you kind of just had this pit in the bottom of your stomach. Like, of course this would happen the year that the Flyers finally started rolling. And the fact that we did have to wait a significant amount of time definitely raised some nerves. I think it was pretty common knowledge with the players. They've openly discussed it over the break as well that, you know, would they be able to pick up right where they left off with that, with the motives that they had and that drive and the passion. And even with the exhibition game that they had with the Penguins last week, you could tell that. Yeah, they're still working on getting their legs under them. They were a little slow to start in the first periods in all three games so far. But other than that, there, the chemistry is unmatched. And they really did pick up right where they left off. And I've stated this for a while. You know, they're not a hot streak team. They're just hot. Yeah. And they're running the league. And it's people are taking notice now outside of Philadelphia, outside of Flyers fans. And... Like I said, it's, it's been a long time coming, so the, wor- the wait was definitely worth it now after four and a half months, but thank goodness that they did pick up where they left off because you see teams that waited that long like New York and the Rangers where they were swept in the qualifying round. So they waited that long, and they had to go home. So luckily with the round robin, they did have their bye, well, essentially a bye um, because they will be moving on to the next round um, following that, but it's just it's so it's almost fulfilling yeah. to know that this is the direction that the team is heading in, and they still have such a great anticipation and drive to finish out the season strong.
1: Yeah, I think these two round robin games the the four one win over the Bruins and the three one win over the Capitals being the most recent one. I think it's a testament to really their chemistry and how, how much they get along and how, how um, likable of a group it is. Because like you've said, Brooke, this, you, know, you don't just go 145 days without playing a, a competitive game and then just kind of pick it up how they have. Um, you don't, like, players have said numerous times like, there's zero way just to carry over the momentum they had from, that, from March to now. It's just not possible. But when, when you like each other, you get along, and you have chemistry, you can, you can pick things up pretty quickly. And the Flyers, boy, have they picked things up quickly. We, we're talking about pretty two-statement wins, really. 4-1 over the Bruins, 3-1 over the Capitals. Um, and, Brooke, a line that is really driving this, it's a driving force line, has been that second line of Scott Lawton, Travis Konechny, and Kevin Hayes They have been so impressive. By far, the team's best line. I don't think it will be touched during these playoffs unless we see some unforeseen circumstances. Brooke, it it had us kind of thinking, if we had to pick one player that's been the most impressive of that group, who would it be for you?
0: I mean, right off the bat, I just really have to look at Scott Lawton just because it is a second line for the Flyers. And people just have viewed him early on in his career, always questioning if he's going to fill out to the player that he was anticipated to be. And I think you even prompted this on Twitter the other day. Do you see him as just a depth guy anymore? And clearly he's proving that he's more than that. And Lawton's a player that can really kind of fill in any position that you need him to. So he could be a top six, he could be a bottom six, and I think in a time like this, especially when players might go down to injury, we might be shuffling the lines a little bit. Just knowing that he's somebody who can be accountable for whatever, and you can tell that Elaine Vigneault trusts him and believes in him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been in that second line with Hayes and Konechny. But man, like I, the passes from me and Hayes yesterday were just out of this world and you could just tell that that whole line is buzzing and the chemistry is off the charts. It's so crazy to see that whatever whatever lines Vigneault runs, they work and that's just a testament to the team that they have been this whole season and building to be this whole season. But, yeah, if I have to pick one, it's, it's got to be Scott Lawton. And just, you know, stick taps. Yes. Stick taps for lots. Uh, what about you, Jordan Hall?
1: <laughs> no, very good pick. And it's funny, with Lawton, I remember after the 2016 playoffs, he was kind of a fringe lineup guy at that point. He entered the playoff series against the Capitals because of an injury to Sean Gatorrier. So he wasn't really, you know, a fixture in the lineup at all. And I remember after that season, he was mentioning how like, he still believed in his upside. He's like, I believe I can be a top six player. And everyone was kind of starting to doubt that a little bit because it was looking more like maybe he was a role player, a third, fourth line guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's kind of cool how it's almost come full circle for him that he's now looking like a top six guy for the Flyers. We always used to talk about him being this critical depth piece. But, you know, he is, <laughs> you know, four goals so far in Toronto, one in the exhibition, and three in these two-round robbing games. And he is looking like a critical piece, not just a depth player for the Flyers. So great pick there, Brooke. For me, I'm going to go Kevin Hayes just because I think he's the one that kind of stirs the pot for that, for that group. Um, he kind of gets it going. And he's just been so impressive down the middle. Um, the way he protects the puck, the way the game slows down when he has the puck on his stick. And it seems like he's the one that's kind of driving it. Um, I think connecting and Lawton have been great. But for me, Hayes has just really stood out, especially with uh, coming here on the big deal, uh, the pressure, the expectations, and the way he's really won over fans. Um, And he has made a loud, loud bang to start this this tournament. And I really thought he was going to be an X factor. We know the Flyers are 19-0-1 when he scores a goal. We know what the team. We know his contributions defensively and how he's always really impacting the game defensively and on the penalty kill and the way he plays, the way he's tough to play against. But when he's driving offense, they go to another level. We're seeing it. Four assists, a plus-four rating, and he's winning 60% of his face-offs through these two-round robin games. He's been really impressive, Brooke. Uh, But gosh, that line, it is exciting. It's fun. I have people that don't really watch hockey a ton, And they're asking me about Lawton, Hayes, and Connect Me. I think they're entertaining. entertaining. And, Brooke, as we know, they chirp, they talk. They're a fun group, too. So, gosh, I think Flyers fans are just obsessed with that group, and they should be. And, Brooke, it's funny. How thankful are we that the coaching staff put them together kind of later in training camp? That line was not put together until later in that two-week camp. And it was like, oh, yeah, I remember that group. They did have some chemistry. I think everyone's pretty happy that that group's back together.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any complaints going on over here. Uh, Just looking back at the Capitals game, they combined for eight points. And it's just it's something that you, you can't ask for more in a situation. And again, it's a testament to the team because if one line isn't stepping up, another one dominates. And it's great to be able to enjoy every single line that's put out by Vigneault. Thank God yes. for having somebody who, behind the bench who trusts their players and their abilities and lets them have these opportunities. I mean, I think it's depending on how long this line is going to be together, we might need to get a nickname going.
2: Yes. I
1: saw you, <laughs> I saw you write that in your story uh, on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com that we need a nickname for that group. Um, something tells me Flyers Twitter will come up with uh, a, a moniker pretty, pretty good. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to keep brainstorming on that.
0: Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to
1: help. Brooke, I do want to ask you, speaking of lines, are you worried at all about the top line and the offensive production? I think it's a very positive sign because the top line of Sean Couturier, Jacob Boricek, and Claude Drew has combined for one assist through these two-round-robin games. But <laughs> the Flyers have outscored the Bruins and Capitals, two top four teams in the East, seven to two. I think that's more a product of the Flyers just being a deeper team and a better team and not having to rely on those, those three guys as much. I don't think they're playing poorly. I thought they outplayed the Bruins' top line that everyone knows about, um, and I think they did a fair job against a pretty top-heavy Capitals team too. Are you worried at all about the offensive production, or, or, or are you happy with it?
0: I'm thrilled. And listen, any top line that can hold Ovechkin scoreless, Mm -hmm. pointless is a line that's doing their job. And the Flyers and Capitals have faced each other now five times throughout uh, 2019, 2020, and have kept Ovechkin without a point for the entirety of the season and postseason now. And that alone is just a huge, huge nod to the top line and all that they were able to do to shut down one of the best generational players in the league. They may not be as effective as uh, offensively right now, but things are going to get going. Things are going to be clicking. And again, with the Bruins' perfect line or whatever they call that, again, kept them off the board. Yep. And it's, it's a nod to the little things that the top line may do. While they may not be um, contributing offensively for the time being, that'll come. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's just a nod to all of the depth. And it's, it's honestly, you have to step back for a minute and thank Ron Hextall yeah. for going through that, deep, deep rebuild and adding all of these incredible prospects for years in the draft because they're all, it, they're all paying off right now and they're only going to get deeper as the years progress. So,
1: No, it's a, yeah. really, that's a great point about Ron Hextall. I always thought to myself, when, when they fired him as general manager, I thought to myself, I understood why the move was made, but I thought if the Flyers ever win a Stanley Cup, uh, with this group, this core, uh, he's going to get some credit for it, and he deserves to. Uh, with what he built, what, with what he built through drafting and developing, and keeping the the veteran core pieces in place without you know dismantling things and trying to redo it completely, um, he will d- he will get some credit. Uh, he will be in the thoughts I think of Flyers fans, uh, and good for him for that. And you really think about. Claude Drew mentioned the other day how he does believe this is one of the deeper teams he's ever been on and that it takes pressure off of those guys to produce offensively. And you think how important that is for them defensively. In years past, if they were not getting the depth scoring, look what that made guys like Sean Couturier, Jacob Borchek, Claude Drew. What they would have to do is they would have to sacrifice defensively. They would have to take more risks. They would have to they would have to push the envelope more. And what it would do is they would have to try so much offensively, it would open them up defensively. And it just kind of created more of a mess. And a lot of odd man rushes the other way, um, it would wear down that top line. Now they can be more sound. They can be safer in their decision-making. They don't have to overdo it and try to do too much. And you're seeing the results. You're seeing the results of a much cleaner, structured team uh, because they, they have depth, and that's great. Brooke, I know you've been very much convinced about this team, really, since the start of the season. You really liked the makeup of the team. Yep. You thought they could make noise in the playoffs. Um, I want to make sure I get that out there before I even ask this question. But you have liked this team for a while. But I think there were probably some folks who maybe need some, need some convincing. There's probably some folks that still need some convincing. Obviously, we're only in the round robin. We haven't even played a playoff series yet, but These two games have been impressive against some of the top teams in the East. Has this two-game stretch convinced you? Do you need more convincing?
0: I mean, I think the round-robin was probably the best-case scenario for the Flyers, especially given the position that they came in being that fourth seed, so they could only improve their game. But why sit back? You know, why just be content with being that fourth seed when you know that you can grow and what better way to throw you right back into hockey than playing the top three other teams in the east so for team for a team for the flyers to have not skated for the majority of four and a half months for who have been separated i think they said that they did a few poker nights. They did a few FaceTimes together virtually, but they were not together. And they found ways to bond and stay in touch and in contact and train and condition as best as they could. And they came out and they, they proved people wrong. And I think that that's probably my favorite part is because nobody really... And I mean, outside of Philadelphia, you just really can't see the sense of anybody really believing in this team. They think, all right, like the Flyers snuck into the fourth seed, whatever. But they were only just a point behind the Capitals for first place. They beat the President's Trophy winner in the East. I know that when they play the Lightning, it's going to be a little concerning. They've, they've struggled with them over the past few seasons. Mm-hmm. but man, it was just, it was almost confirmation to believe that this team, they're, they're not a fluke. They're not streaky. This is the team that has been put out since October. The chemistry was building. The time is just right now. So, I mean, like you said, I've, I've believed in this team. It just, it felt different. And that starts with Elaine Vigneault, in my opinion. It starts with the off-season season Uh, acquisitions it starts with allowing the rookies and trusting the younger players with time on ice with playing with their top veteran players it's it's a culmination of everything that just makes you want to believe in a team so much so I remember back in October I said that this team was going to make the playoffs comfortably
2: yeah
0: and Winding out now with the potential to end the round robin with the first seed. I mean, you, you can't ask for
1: more than that. You can, and you did say that, Brooke. You really did. You you called it. And uh, if anyone wants to find that prediction post and you don't believe us, esportsphiladelphia <laughs> dot com will find you the link. Um, we have the receipts. Don't we you do. worry. We have the receipts. And Brooke, your point uh, really made me think of Matt Niskanen, who has. Been there, done that. He, he knows this time, you know, not this time of year, but he knows playoff hockey and what it's all about. And he really, he really hit on the nail on the head about with the Flyers are kind of in this dangerous, um, promising spot because there wasn't a ton of outside expectations or noise right now around the Flyers. But at the same time, they were in a really good spot. And they really believed in themselves. Like they weren't, you know, a low seed that is just hoping for the best. They, you know, they're a top four seed with a chance to climb. But at the same time, it was teams like the Lightning who were kind of catching the headlines. The Bruins, the Capitals, and understandably so. The Capitals won a Stanley Cup in 2018, and they have Alex Ovechkin. The Bruins were the best team in hockey with 100 points. The Lightning were coming off. Um, a historic regular season last year and had that whole revenge factor. Uh, so the Flyers really are in that sneaky, sneaky spot. And I think we're seeing them really benefit from that. There's not a lot of pressure, a lot, not a lot of noise on the outside. So it's kind of a prove it mentality where they have nothing to lose. And I think so far we've seen it. And I will say this, I want to see more. I absolutely want to see them in that first round series. You know, I want to see them win a series to really show me that this group is really meant to be and maybe do something special. But you cannot fault them for playing the games on their schedule so far. You know, people might say, well, it's just the round robin. But, hey, they're in that situation because they played really well. And not only are they playing the schedule at, on, you know, that's been given to them, but they've made some statements. They've beaten good teams. Um, and they have another really good statement opportunity coming up. Uh, and the Flyers have taken advantage of opportunity. They're in the round robin with the chance to climb, and we know they've done that uh, to the point where they have at least the number two seed with the chance at the number one. But, hey, they've taken advantage of opportunities like the Bruins not having Tuka Good for them. They took advantage of it. No fault to them. Uh, they took advantage of the Capitals not having John Carlson, uh, their star defenseman. Good for the Flyers, uh, and it's looking like they won't see Steven Stamkos of the Lightning. And let's see if the Flyers take advantage of those opportunities. They should not be faulted for that, I think. But, Brooke, I will say this. It is not all red carpets and roses for this team. There are some other interesting storylines, ones that have certainly caught our eyes. James Van Riemsdyk, scratched from the lineup. It's not as big of a deal, obviously, because it's the round robin, and we knew that Elaine Bignot was going to try things. He said he wanted to see some of his extras get some work in. But at the same time, it is JVR. It's a 30-goal, two-time 30-goal scorer. The game had a lot of meeting against the Capitals, uh, and he was not out there in that lineup. Are you concerned at all? Did you like the decision? Let me get your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, so right off the bat, I definitely uh, raised my eyebrows for a little bit uh, when it was mentioned that uh, Farabee wasn't going to be the only change into the roster once Michael Roffle um, went down, essentially. Uh, the decision to, you know, sit JVR even just for, if it's just for the one game, if he plays against Tampa Bay, then all right. I just believe that it's, it's trying to send a message to a veteran player who I'm pretty sure Vigneault just expects more from him. And this is a prime opportunity to send that kind of message and also allow some of the extras that came to the Toronto bubble to get some playing time in against the top teams. So it's my favorite part about Vigneault is that he's very honest with his players. He's very honest with the media when he's commenting on his team. And he mentioned it from the beginning of the season. He expected more from the veterans and then what happened they stepped up and things really Mm -hmm. started clicking. So one bench might've been, it might've just been to play Connor Bunneman for the night. Nobody really knows, but it's a mind game. It always is. So James Van Riemsdyk may not know why he was sitting. It might've just been, all right, we're gonna play Bunneman. Yeah. But if this is kind of the one thing that sets JVR in motion, then by all means, again, nods to Vigneault yeah. Because he just he knows how to play it right and he knows how to play that mental game. So what no, about I, you? What did you what did you think about that?
1: No, Brooke, that's a great point about Elaine Vigneault and how he's honest with his players. That's one thing players have really raved about him, is that he's he communicates, he communicates his message to the players before he ever goes out into the media and says something. You can bet, you can bet that Elaine went up to JVR and talked to him. Talked to him about why this is happening. Um, we don't know the exact reason why, but you can bet, you can bet it was communicated to him and, and there's a, there a real positive there in that. Um, so JVR is not sitting there in the dark wondering what the heck just happened. I, I see the lineup sheet and I'm not on it. He knows probably why, and that's good. Um, and another thing is that this was a very timely opportunity, Brooke, like you said, to maybe send a little message. They're not in the middle of the first round. They're not in the middle of the second round where, hey, this is not the opportunity to get too cute here. This is the round robin. So this is a good chance to maybe send him a message, get another player some reps, and not have it hurt you too much. And, hey, credit to Vigneault. Uh, they got out there and they still won the game in some pretty decent fashion. Uh, so it didn't really come back to bite him at all. But I will say this. It, it caught my eye, and I didn't love it at first because – I thought you could have played James Van Riemsdyk on that fourth line. That still would have been a pretty loud message, a guy that's a two-time 30-goal scorer playing on the fourth line and basically saying, hey, show me something. Show me more in limited minutes, and if guys above you don't prove themselves, I will have you climb the lineup, but I want to see you in limited minutes. Give me a little something more. I thought that would have been a proper way, and you know, it's, it's all nice now because they won the game, but that was a real meaningful game to me. You know, that was a chance that could have really swung their, their seeding fate. You know, if they lose, they're in a whole different ballgame in terms of their yeah. seeding. Fortunately, they won. But I just thought it, it wasn't a great time to sit JVR. I understand Connor Bunneman getting a game is very positive. But he's going to be probably a deeper extra, in, you know, in the playoffs. And I just thought JVR should have been in that lineup. But, hey, Vigneault, like you said, Katie, or uh, excuse me, Brooke, Vigno um, has not really given us much reason at all to doubt his decision so far. Uh, he is a veteran coach, and he has pushed plenty of right buttons. So I won't question him for now, but I did think it was eyebrow-raising, but I don't think JVR's spot is in jeopardy at all, Brooke, do you? Oh, no, no. Yeah.
0: That, that goes without question. I think, again, it, it was either just to send a message or to give Connor Bunneman some time. I don't think it's anything more than that. It's, it's pretty much cut and dry given the situation.
1: Agreed. And, and speaking of lineups, Brooke, speaking of lineups, uh, we're talking about it because this is a really kind of difficult time for the head coach. The round robin is unique. It's different. And um, it's really tough to build these lineups because it's meaningful. Elaine Vigneault has said it a ton of times. It's meaningful and we want to win, but we also have to balance the whole preparing ourselves and making sure we're as ready as possible for when it really matters, which, of course, is that first round which is scheduled to begin August 11th. But, Brooke, what do you think about the defensive pairs? Because we're going into this round-robin game against the Lightning. The Flyers have a chance to get the number one overall seed. They have not changed their defensive pairs so far, but Vigneault has come out and said he thinks he wants to get either Shane Goss' or Mark Freeman a game uh, before the first round, and that would be this third-round-robin game. Do you change things up? Or do you keep it the same? What do you think? It's tough.
0: It, it's, it's definitely tough because you look at the top two pairs of Ivan Provorov, Matt Niskanen, Phil Myers, and Travis Sanheim, and they have been just as good as you could ask them to be, especially the younger guys, Myers and Sanheim, getting their first playoff experience. They look like they've, they've done this time and time again. So that's really exciting. And I don't think top two pairs or players that you really want to move around or navigate. If you're trying to get fair in for a game, because I'd rather, based off of his training camp, it seems like there's a lot of um, optimism around him returning to play. And granted, he's had the surgeries on his knees. There's been a lot of Back and forth with will we ever get Shane Gosses spare back to how he was a few seasons ago with his sixty five point season. I think if they're trying to get them going, maybe Sit Hag, yeah. Robert Hagg. Um, out of the past few games, he's really the only one that's kind of stood out in maybe a negative way, but also not. It's it's not the end of the world if they keep him. In the lineup, I mean, I th- he's definitely. I think he's accounted for at least two goals. He was on the ice for Bruins and um, Washington's goals. So maybe get Gasha Spare in there. I think, like you said, Friedman might be a playoff depth player, like a like a last case scenario. I'm yeah. happy he traveled to the bubble. He's obviously worked very hard to get where he is. But in this situation, if there's hope that we can get the Shane Goss' that we hope he can be as a player into the postseason, that automatically just solidifies how sturdy of a blue line the Flyers have. And even the top two pairs, the fact that they have them like signed, sealed, and delivered at the moment is way more than what the Flyers have had in the past. But yeah, maybe ahead gosh, a hag for spare switch, but what, what are you thinking right now?
1: That's a great point. Um, it is exciting to see those top two pairs. We have not seen that type of depth on the blue line, Brooke, as you have said, in a while. So that's great. And I don't think those two pairs, uh, Ivan Prorov and Matt Niskanen and Philip Myers and Travis Sanheim. I don't expect them to be touched for this Lightning game. Brooke, I, li- I really agree with you. I think, I think Elaine Vigneault will get Shane Goss pair in this game, and I don't see a ton of bad reasons for why that should happen. Um, they know what they have in Robert Hag, and Robert is a really good third-pair defenseman. Uh, they're going to know what they're going to get from him in game one of the first round. You can bet that that third pair of Justin Braun and Robert Hag will be in game one of the first round. But Shane, Shane Gossespierre is important, and he can do some things, and he, he won't be a significant drop-off in this game. The Flyers like their depth. They like Shane Gossespierre. They like th- these extra guys that they have. So they're going to trust them in games against the Lightning with the number one seed on the line. And deep down, the number one seed or the number two seed, they're both very good. There is a difference, of course, that is stating the obvious, but they're both very good. The Flyers have already climbed, and that's great. And I think Shane Gossespierre, what he could do possibly is, one, get another game in and play against a really, really good Lightning team that's going to test him and make him feel a little bit better about going into the playoffs for when and if his name is called. And two, Brooke, the Flyers' power play is 0-for-8 in this round robin so far. And we know Shane there. He is a power play guy. Some people even call him a power play specialist, the way he maneuvers the point and maybe could light a spark there. So, hey, maybe get Shane in there, let him get a little second unit power play time and see what he can do. Give, give him to give you a chance to give you a spark. I think that could be positive. So I don't see a ton of fault there. And I, I, I expect that too, Brooke. I, I expect them to go Shane over Robert Haig. Maybe they sit Justin Braun, who's a veteran guy, who could, hey, maybe give him a rest and give him a blow and uh, let him be ready for round, for round one. But uh, I don't think there's a ton of bad things there. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers talk, Phillies talk, and Flyers talk now. Brooke, that lightning matchup. Whew. That should be fun. <laughs> it's the one team, Brooke, as you mentioned earlier, that probably gave them the most trouble out of all these round-robin t- teams in the regular season. What do you like about the matchup, and kind of what do you worry about the matchup? Um,
0: honestly, that's that's a pretty loaded question. Yes.
2: Because <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, look, you look back and you see when the Flyers – played the Bruins for the first uh, for the first round Robin game. And people were like, "Ah, well, you know, this, this doesn't look good for the Flyers. And then they played the Capitals and they were like, Oh, well, maybe it's an off night for the Capitals. It's never really what the Flyers do, right? It's always what the other teams are doing wrong, essentially. So my hope is that they come out swinging Saturday and if there's any game to make a statement, it is against Tampa Bay. Yeah. And you just, you want it so badly, not even as like a fan or as media, you want it for the team because it's clear that they want this and it, they're working so hard. But again, it's, there's something about Tampa Bay and I, it, their speed and they are quick Yeah. and Sometimes that really does play a huge factor for the Flyers because the Flyers are more of it. They're a bigger built team. They're not really speed. Isn't really their what they're known for. So that's where the Flyers lack in comparison to, to the lightning. But you know, the Flyers do have to take advantage of the fact that Steven Stamkos is not going to play. Mm-hmm. Like you were mentioning earlier, the Flyers took advantage of Tukarask not playing for the Bruins. They took advantage of Carlson not playing for the Capitals. Take advantage of the Lightning's second-best player in points not playing. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with that. You're yeah. supposed to capitalize on other teams' weak points. That's the whole point of playing a game. Exactly. So, But the other thing is, it's not – if the Flyers do lose, I'll knock <laughs> on wood, but <laughs> – if they do lose, it's not the end of the world. No. Because they beat the Bruins. They beat the Capitals. And that's more than what a lot of people probably expected from them going into this round robin. Exactly. So, But if they do win, oh, man, Jordan Hall. <laughs> <laughs> the league... Better be scared. They better be scared because at that point, if they still don't believe in the Flyers, that's on them because they're proving game in and game out just the team that they are, just the team that they have been. So look out, NHL.
1: And for those listening, when Brooke Destra says my full name, (laughs) she means business. Like she is serious. She is passionate when she uses my full name. So uh, that's an indicator right there that she is saying, look out, NHL. And uh, that would be an awfully loud statement. And it really would be cool, Brooke, to see them, gosh, have that number one seed. Like, who would have seen that coming? Uh, That would be bravo, stick taps to them. And, Brooke, what you said, too, I think really um, hits the nail on the head with the lightning in terms of coming out swinging. If there's one thing that has worried me a little bit about this Flyers team is that they don't always have the best start. Yeah. Um, Because they're not the Lightning that use all this incredible speed and skill right out of the shoot. They're a team that plays like a north-south, hard on the attack, four-check oriented style. Uh, That sometimes takes a little while to get going. And we've seen Carter Hart make really timely first period saves that kind of give them a chance to get their wheels turning. The Lightning (laughs) are a team that can jump on you. They can jump Mm -hmm. on you. And we've seen them do that to the Flyers in the past in the first period. I think if the Flyers can just almost survive that first period, kind of weather the storm, I know those are cliches, but I think it really rings true with this Lightning team. Don't let them jump on you. Uh, If they don't, I think they're going to have a fighting chance against Tampa. But that would be my concern with Tampa, is their ability to kind of um, really put teams under siege early and then have them playing catch-up. That would be my concern. But what do I like? For me, hey – We forget, Brooke, that the Flyers didn't have Derek Grant or Nate Thompson in either of those two matchups. The Flyers, as we know, the one Eastern Conference team they did not record at least one point against this season was Tampa Bay. They lost their two regular season matchups in regulation. That third and final matchup obviously was uh, scheduled right before the pause happened, and uh, they never played them. But uh they did not have Derek Grant or Nate Thompson, two valuable depth guys that they acquired at the trade deadline. So, Brooke, do you think they can make a difference? I think they will. Um, but I think it's something to know.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've I've been a little back and forth with Thompson. Sure. Um these and that? games. Um just based off of well first I, w- I was looking at him and I was like, you know, he's not, really, he's not really doing much to add for the Flyers. And then, you know, he goes ahead and scores against the Bruins. And I was like, all right, you know, all right, I'll, I'll chalk that off for a little bit. And then I'm watching the Capitals and it's just, you see that the Flyers for the most part have been a very like driven team on the ice. Like they don't really sit back and anticipate Um, like, okay, like what's going to happen next? It's all, it's go, go, go. You know, it's don't hesitate now. Um, so I'd really just like to see more aggression out of Thompson. I think that's kind of where I stand for him, but I, I do really like Derek Grant. I think that he's been a great addition, um, and just kind of leveling out the bottom, the bottom six. So if Thompson can kind of get things rolling a little bit more, I know that when we were even looking at our our season grades on NBC Sports Philadelphia, we noted that Grant really jumped right in and started clicking with the team. And that's not necessarily something that happens for every player. Thompson struggled a little bit in those first seven games, and then, you know, you had 140-plus days away from your new team. So what do you really expect from a player like that? So he does have some leeway, absolutely, but I really would like to see him be a little more aggressive moving forward. Um, And then one more player that I'm really excited to look at versus lighting, I mean, Carter Hart. We went this whole podcast, Jordan, without even talking about – the goaltending, which has what been is that? absolutely <laughs> insane, leaving the Bruins and the Capitals to just one goal. And that's yep. with two separate goaltenders. Yep. Yep. I mean, when is the last time that there has been a duo in net for the Flyers where you can put either your A or your B goalie against the top teams and hope for a win, expect a win? Yeah. So, I'm really excited to see how Carter Hart handles playing against Tampa again because now I think the bubble could have been the best thing that happened to Carter Hart because I've never, I've never seen a player so locked in and focused at all times, especially given his age and the weight of the franchise on his shoulders essentially – but you saw him first two periods against penguins in the exhibition. You saw him against the Bruins, and he was dialed in and I know that there was a little bit of issues about the new sight lines, given um, the the coverings of the stands in the first um, the first few sections of uh, right behind the ice. but I mean, if he comes out and really makes a statement against Tampa Bay, like i I'm pretty much convinced that you know, he's not going to have many issues moving forward, so.
1: I love that storyline. I'm so happy you brought that up because I am really anxious too, Brooke, uh, to see Carter Hart because like you said, he, we know what confidence can do for him. Um, it's not like he lacks confidence, but he's a young kid, so when he's playing well and he's gaining confidence, uh, man, that can do wonders for a goalie, especially a 21-year-old. Brooke, imagine if he plays really well against Tampa. Was probably the, you know, probably the scariest offensive team in the league. And then he comes off of also those 34 saves against the Bruins, the best team in the league points-wise. Man, what, what that could do for his confidence going into that first round. Uh, Matt Niskanen mentioned it. Uh, what, what a goalie can do when he gets hot in the playoffs and he believes, and believed the Flyers had that in Carter Hart. That will be really exciting to see. If he can play well against the Tampa Bay Lightning, following up his positive performance against the Penguins in the exhibition, following up his positive performance against the Bruins. That could do wonders for his confidence. Uh, And it can make the Flyers really a fun team to watch the rest of the way. Brooke, I know we're having fun. I know fans are having fun. Um, Fans, if you want to continue to have fun, read Brooke Descher's work at NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. She's always having great thought-provoking and fun content. So check her out. Brooke Descher, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope to have you on through a long playoff run.
0: Jordan Hall, thank you so much for having me on. Like you said, this is going to be an incredible run, and you know what they say, if you have a solid goaltender, you can do anything in the postseason. So let's hope for a long, deep playoff run with these Philadelphia Flyers.
1: (laughs) Amen to that. Brooke Descher, thank you so much and uh, Ben Barry, our podcast producer. Thank you so much as always. This is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Fans, wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.